This episode is sponsored by Apollo, a tool that's helping me to open doors and close deals faster. Wanted to share it with you. Apollo is a complete end-to-end sales platform, letting you email, dial, connect on social, build plays, and schedule meetings. With conversational intelligence, transcribing my calls lately, and reminding me to act on my next steps to drive deals across the finish line, it's been a lifesaver. It's no wonder Apollo is the most loved sales tool on the planet. Thousands of users rank Apollo as a top tool on G2. Start today completely free and see how Jesse and I use Apollo. Sign up in the show notes below or at thesalesplayers.com forward slash Apollo. That's thesalesplayers.com forward slash A-P-O-L-L-O to start your free trial. Today I'm speaking with Wissam Tabara. Wissam is the founder and CEO of Truebase. He's been a founder three times. He's had several exits. He also advises and mentors early stage technology companies. Now this is a fascinating conversation. Wissam is very passionate about the intersection between sales and marketing and generative AI. We talk about his thoughts on the direction of the industry, how it's going to change prospecting and data capture in a selling environment. And we talk about the recent launch of Truebase and how it's helping sellers implement AI in their workflows. So with all that said, welcome Wissam. So you, you said something just now off the air that really piqued my interest. And it's something that I haven't delved into too much on my show just yet, but it's something that I think my listeners will, will be really curious about also. And that is uh, the intersection between AI, maybe specifically generative AI at this point and selling and generating revenue. So maybe we just lead into the episode with that. Tell us about what the latest is on the you know kind of sales AI front and where you see things going in the next, call it 12 to 18 months. I like that, Jesse, you're starting from the top. Um, you know, it's like, it's it's really big thing to chew on. And I, I keep thinking day and night is like, what does that mean, right? I was just on a call today and I was like, I think I've been repeating myself by saying sequences and cadences are dead. Like uh, just starting from that, like as a big statement, when you do cold outreach, you're we're all used to writing templated email and writing, you know, parameterizing it. And mm-hmm. the fanciest one among us get to personalize it and put a spreadsheet that maybe get to outsource it to somebody uh, to really populate and personalize it. And now you're like, a very different way of thinking about it. It'll be like, it's not cadences. It's going to be all hyper-personalized on one-to-one basis. So it's a, where does that put us? What does that mean from a tool perspective on on our sales stack? And uh, and really, what's our flow will look like, right? So I think with uh, things, uh, generative AI and AI in general, uh, really found its use case um, on all over the place, hot and heavy, and and it just got us to think, right? What does that mean? So, do you feel like the the you're saying that it's possibly the death of the prospecting sequence? Now, do you feel like the the channels, or in other words, email calls? in mail, Twitter, direct message, whatever channels sellers are using right now to engage with their buyers, that likely won't change, but you think maybe the content generation side of it 
and the ability to really hyper-personalize something using generative AI to, to do so might be what, what changes. Is that, am I understanding that right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a new channel opening up, right? I mean, email has been around for a while and survived many iterations of all the technology trends that we've seen. So is social media in general, obviously the, you know, the medium change, but social media, the inbound, the outbound, I don't know how much is that changing, but, um, I don't really want to go into the fraud or the dark mode of this, but if you think about people are getting super good in composing hyper-personalized email, well, you will think there's as equal of a defense that will be built over time from spam detection and, and really just maybe not accepting anything. So, mm. so I think the whole like uh, sender and receiver um, I think I will see, I will predict a lot of disruption on how would that look like. But just kind of staying on the sales uh, perspective, uh, it's really, yeah, it's, it's a very different way of looking at it. It's actually building emails. I think emails is a very, very good channel completely. It's one of the most butchered one, I will say, <laughs> right? It's like, um, there's, you, you'll see them the all type of shape and form. Very few people do it right. If you do it right, it's a really game changer for your business. Right, right. Do you, what are some examples that you're seeing? I know you're, you're an advisor to a lot of SaaS companies. You're of course the, the CEO of Truebase. Um, what are some examples of, of companies that you've seen doing that well? Um, and maybe a follow on to that question would be, what are some examples of companies that you're observing right now that are doing very innovative things in this category? Yeah, like, um, so I haven't seen people running the whole stack fully automated yet. I've seen people doing very good job qualifying or very good job messaging, um, you know. So there's a lot to learn. There's ex very experienced people doing that uh, with a lot of implementation. I have not seen somebody really putting prospecting on autopilot uh, because they didn't have the pieces before uh, so through the whole prospecting journey to really feed it all and set it up all the way um, right now i think it's like all the pieces of the puzzles are out and it's just a matter of taking the time and patching it all together and having the knowledge uh, still i will not say it's a breeze uh, we're, we're working really hard at truebase to make that whole stack um, really easy to implement, uh, commoditize it if you want to think about it. Sure. Uh, but I think it's a matter of, gosh, I was gonna, I was, I'm not even gonna say years. Right now, I'm gonna say month or weeks, just at the pace how yeah. things are happening these days. That's what's really crazy about it. Is I feel like every week when I open up Twitter, there's some new use case or new set of prompts, uh, or you hear some new idea that someone's already implemented and they're already mm -hmm. doing it. Whether that's you know, baking out a content calendar or literally, you know, literally asking something like chat GPT to design a sequence based on a certain set of criteria. And then, you know, maybe taking that exact framework and making it your own, like personalizing it a little bit more. Um, but the fact that that is something that used to take some number of hours for a rep to do, 
um, creating content, creating prospecting messaging, creating follow-up notes. Uh, the idea that I heard yesterday was I was, I was working on a statement of work and someone said, why don't you just, why don't you just put that into chat GPT and see if you can get a line by line statement of work. And in this case, that was a little, it was a little too much customization. I, I, I wasn't going to be able to get what I was looking for because it was such a, uh, you know, one-on-one consulting project. And it was very specific that it wasn't going to work, but I thought, man, someday writing an SOW might be done with, with gener, uh, you know, generative AI, instead of having a team of people sit in a room and, and write that, or, or sit in a zoom room and write that and spend several hours doing so. So it, it really is, uh, insane to see the pace that we're going. Uh, you mentioned Truebase. Tell us a little bit about what Truebase is doing in the marketplace, where you play, uh, what you're solving for, for, for reps and, and, and leaders. Yeah, happy to. So let me start by the problem statement, right? So just kind of to get everybody on the same page here. If you're B2B companies, uh, you're probably hiring SDR or inside sales or sometimes demand gen. The, 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 it's whoever responds to discover new customers and doing the prospecting. So there is really to do prospecting properly. There are seven steps that you have to go through the prospecting journey. So one, you define your ICP, you find companies usually using a prospecting database out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you discover a company, you probably spend you know a minute or so on their website qualifying it. If you're really doing your job right, you probably have five questions you're trying to answer them yes or no. Some people have a lot more. Then we're like, okay, you know, this company looks promising. Then you have to do almost starting a new search in the same prospecting tool. Finding, well, who are the com- who are the people that I might be able to uh, contact? Who is my stakeholder map and my buyer journey? The influencer, the decision makers, all that kind of stuff. Now you identify them. Well, you will have to discover their contact information. You usually have a few tabs open to do that. Because mm-hmm. um, some software can, some prospecting tool provide you that information, but it's not sufficient. Uh, then you have to verify it and debounce it if you're using email. Phone are really harder to verify. Um, and then you have to really do some due diligence. Do they still work at this company because it's a big stale data problem in most prospecting databases? Then you have to really spend a minute or two looking at their LinkedIn feed, Twitter feed, mm-hmm. uh, what are the latest press releases about the company to really able to hyper-personalize a message. Well, then you load it into some outreach sequence that um, you probably spend a lot of time crafting, right? So so to make this problem <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, harder, right? Well, it takes 10 minutes per lead if you really want to do this job very well. Okay? Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. And, and if you want to do that, it's usually done by an entry-level position, uh, SDR, inside mm-hmm. sales, right? Yeah. It takes four months to hire and wrap up an SDR. And they last a little bit more than a year on the job because it's a, it's an entry-level position in the review team. Most people are doing the switch. They want to enter there. They will usually want to uh, get closer to the closing the transaction so they can more make more money on, on the quota or on their commission. So that's, that's, that's outbound sales motion for the last 10, 15 years. Right. Right. What, what's what's mind-boggling is that uh, 
people kind of feel like, oh, I like it. This is how the world should operate. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's manual, it's tedious, it's repetitive, right? It's spam, it's 1% response rate. So that's a problem we're tackling at Rubix. We basically, if I want to sum it in one sentence, we're trying to bring the 10 minutes per lead to two minutes per lead without ever sacrificing any part of the quality. In fact, we feel we can improve the quality of the prospecting from qualification all the way to uh, uh, composing the email. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we are trying to bring it to two minutes, but we don't really try to stop there. Um, so that's kind of very heavily on workflow, filters, generative AI, and AI to really make that happen. What's where it gets more interesting, and that's kind of like where we going back when you ask me, like who was able to really automate the whole process from end to end, is how can you really latch into onto a lot of your uh, outbound prospecting results? What do I mean by that? Who's taking your demo? Who's positively replying? Who's telling you, let's talk next month, I'm interested? And can those become training events to an AI that is learning and giving you lookalikes of your ICP. Mm-hmm. That's really what we, in a nutshell, what Truebase is all about in automating this top of the funnel for you. Interesting. So how long have you guys been around? Um, <laughs> With the late, we, we've been like most startup, we pivoted. We used to be in recruiting space and then COVID hit and then we pivoted to sales. So we've been in sales uh, like a little bit more than a year. Um, we have launched in March. So as we're six weeks in and so far it's been well perceived from what we've seen. Wow. So this is, this is hot off the press. You just barely <laughs> launched six weeks ago, went to market. We have, yeah. And before the launch, did you have customers on the platform already and like a proof yeah, of concept? We worked, we worked around like four months with, you know, pilot customers and iterated like on daily basis and learned a lot through the product to really refine it. Awesome. And uh, maybe talk to us, you don't have to give specific logos, but talk to us about some of the customers, maybe the, some of the, the profiles of the customers. Are they typically... Uh, I imagine they're typically other SaaS technology companies um, or at the very least like a B2B sales team. Is it typically CROs and VPs of sales that are interested in this or is this more on the ops, rev ops side or is this a marketing uh, initiative or all of the above? Yeah, like, you know, uh, Jesse, I'm sure you know that like the B2B sales is, is complex, right? Yeah. So it yeah. varies from one team to another, how they're set up, how they're structured. We've seen interest from all of the above, right? Um, so, and we acquired customer over time in different, in the top down or bottom up strategies. And um, uh, coming from a product side uh, and the technology side right now, most of the software is being sold bottom up, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like some kind of freemium offering, try it, see value, quickly and often, and then that's how you land the customers, usually from an end user or an influencer. And then you grow to the decision maker 
and you almost basically you <laughs> you create a champion within that organization that can really love your product they are usually the one with the pain point and they can go knock on the door uh, of the decision maker uh, so that's has been how software is, is being sold in on the product side mm -hmm. and i feel right now we're gonna very much be catching up on the business side of the house so it's no longer um if i started by a strong statement saying cadences are are in <laughs> trouble you call them dad right and i will tell you like enterprise sales i think also will be changing uh right now it's no longer necessarily locking contracts uh, annual contracts before so you can start playing with the product right mm -hmm. so in some cases it will be but i think in a downturn economy specifically uh, two things are happening. Teams are shrinking and budgets are shrinking. Yeah. Uh, so if the teams are shrinking, you want to rely on AI, which is an like it couldn't be like it's transformation, a transformational moment right now for us mm -hmm. with this thing, all this stuff happening with AI and increasing productivity. Um, and the new pattern that it's bringing with it, it's a bottom up approach or at least not necessarily a yearly or annual contract to sell and go have a extended a full negotiation from with CFO and decision maker from day one. But at the very least, you start the conversation, you champion it, you some a lot of people find value and become your proxy to go selling to the decision maker. Mm. So you see that the the future is going to be less sort of leadership executive focused and more the bottoms up like product led growth where uh you know there's kind of a groundswell at the bottom of an organization around a tool or a product that then sort of elevates it within the organization and helps expand the you know the usage of that product throughout the broader enterprise is that right Absolutely because I'd like if you think about it and uh, when we go knock on the door of the decision maker First of all, they say, well, I got too many emails per day, right? From the customer discovery. That's true. Everybody wants to talk decision maker. Um, once, if you got their attention and you do a discovery call, what's the first thing that's going to happen? You say, well, let me connect you with the end user mm -hmm. on my team. Yeah. So they can really better vet it and ask better questions. And then they lean heavily on... Um, on the end user or the influencer decision to really approve it, right? So, so it's already built in their process, right? So, uh, so that's why why not engage the end users? And by the way, the the flip side of this, end users uh, feel very important uh, or flattered <laughs> mm -hmm. to be contacted in the first place, right? And they are the one with the pain point. And they are the one, if you give them the right offering, they're able to give you time as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, there is a flip side of this, and this is, I think, part of the, the transformation of the paradigm shift that's taking place, is that uh, they quickly, they're trained to answer, I am not decision maker, I don't have the budget, right? They're quickly to, to reject, uh, which is the flip side of this. So right. really, you have to be careful how to navigate the bottom up at the top down here. If you do any prospecting with LinkedIn, you have got to go get set up with Surf. That's S-U-R-F-E. It's a tool you can use to add new contacts to your CRM system directly from LinkedIn in seconds. 
I'm using it every single day. I add contacts, follow my deals, keep track of notes, and it ends up saving me a bunch of time on prospecting and outreach, which means I can spend more time moving my deals along. The data is always 100% accurate since I don't have to copy and paste all the fields over from each and every contact that I want to put in my CRM. Instead, Surf does that all automatically with just one click in about 60 seconds. The team over at Surf has put together a very special offer for fans of sales players. There's a link down in the show notes and you can use the promo code JWSurf5. Don't forget the E at the end of Surf. That's JWSurf5 for 5% off your first year. Don't spend another minute doing things manually. Go get set up with Surf. One thing that makes me curious, and I've, I've spent the last five or six years selling you know, larger scale enterprise platforms, mm-hmm. right? Where very much the, the, the approach was you get a champion who's usually like at the director level um, and as quickly as possible, you want to you wanna escalate things to an executive sponsor, decision maker, and, you know, that model's been pretty well trodden over the last few years, right? Especially the last like decade. Um, that's been a, a, a pretty consistent model is you do a lot of outbound prospecting. And if you can get, you know, the VP of ops, the VP of sales, the VP of marketing, whatever, whoever you're selling to, if you can get that person engaged and to sponsor the project, they'll go out and they'll spend a couple hundred thousand dollars a year on your SaaS, right? Mm-hmm. What you're saying is it's getting harder to do. And I, I do agree with that. It is getting much harder to, to engage buyers at that level. It's getting hard to kind of run those cycles unless you're sort of a category leader and, you know, there's a real kind of core element to, to the platform, but you're saying that possibly here very quickly as we're, we're, you know, as the theme has been in this show so far is change is happening very quickly, especially with these um, innovations in AI we're going to start to see more of like this product-led growth. My question is, how do you target the the end users that are going to then test out, trial the product, and then promote it internally as champions all the way up the chain to where it becomes, uh, you know, kind of a scaled system within an organization? What have you found work well uh, in that endeavor? Yeah. Um, so just want to clarify one thing. Sure. I'm not saying necessarily do top down or bottom up. I'm saying you need to do both. Right. Both. And, and, and maybe sometimes top down, bottom up, it's, it's unfair describing it. I think what I'm trying to say is build your uh, buyer journey and know who to engage at what point of time. Right. So there's Maybe at a certain point you have to start with the with the CFO or the buyer right away from the saboteur or from the economic buyer. It depends what you're trying to sell and what what's what uh, your product and services, right? So I think most people go into one way and they completely ignore the other, where there's sometimes room to explore both at the same time. Now, yeah. back to your question on uh, product-led growth and how do you put the value of the product. Uh, in the hands of people. And um, just also for completeness, there's a flip side of this. I can hear a lot of people saying, well, I it diminished the product when you're offering a freemium model. I also mm-hmm. agree with that, right? Or how can you go from free to a six-figure contract, right? Right, yeah. Th- those are usually the... the so, so I, I think... Um, 
and and I totally sensitive to all of that. Um, and that might not be the best fit for you to do for your business. But I think there's also other creative way to show value uh, of your product. And this is kind of like more the growth, hack, uh, gro growth hacking techniques or, or some of the product-led growth into protecting and shielding um, the brand of the product or the positioning of the product. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we actually, I will tell you, we, we released a Chrome extension uh, for this, for one, one feature only for our, uh, to personalize um, any prospect message built on top of LinkedIn. So when you're on LinkedIn, you're looking at the profile, you can click one button and it writes personalized email based on whatever you taught uh, uh, basically our tool. So that's mm -hmm. one feature of many others that we provide. So it's not really apples to apples. This is free, this the Chrome extension is free. It's limited, but it's really uh, it doesn't even have our TrueBase logo. But you know we are really behind the scene, very very subtle, trying to bring people to the app and engage with them and build relationship. So you can really go with other product. It's kind of like it's it involved the product. It's not just a marketing. It's like the whole company. It's all departments working together to really be able to show value quickly and often with the least resistance mm -hmm. in terms of uh, uh, entering that. Once you do and you build relationships and then you can start building that champion we've been talking about. So, so where can we find the the Chrome extension? Uh, I'm curious about that, and it sounds like that that might be a tool I need to add to to my repo, uh, my repository here. Yeah, if you actually go to the Chrome store and you do uh, you Google um, LinkedIn email generator, uh, that'll be one way to find it. The other way is you can go to TrueBase and type LinkedIn email generator, and you will find it there as well. Awesome. We we just launched that for a few weeks and we've been getting great reviews uh, as well on it uh, so far. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe walk us through a couple more use cases uh, that that current you know customers are are deploying with TrueBase right now that are interesting. Um, maybe results that they've seen from from implementing the solution. Yeah. So staying on the AI theme, I already talked about the lookalikes capability where it can train from your outbound campaign and find you lookalike. But another, uh, and obviously there is a personalization, hyper-personalizing a sequence. So it's not like data points that you can plug in into your template. It's really mm -hmm. hyper-personalize the whole sequence based on, based on LinkedIn activities, based on the company uh, data and press releases. So you can really quickly break the ice and compose really uh, personalized email that's also able to adjust the jargon and talk mm -hmm. to the pain point of the recipient. Ooh. So that's actually already on the on the Chrome extension that I mentioned, and we keep improving oh, cool. that over time. The another area that, uh, and again, going back to the seven steps where um, people usually spend a lot of time is in researching a company. And every website is laid down differently, right? So if you're trying to answer the five questions to qualify a company, you're probably like hopping from one page to another on a website or mm -hmm. going to, you know, public data, government data, all that kind of stuff to try to answer the question. Um, 
Well, we leverage our technology and lang large language model, so you can ask any question you want. We plug in a lot of our proprietary data, and we're quickly able to really tell you, uh, answer those questions, and we'll give you some kind of level of confidence. So it'd be like your five questions become yes, 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 no, 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 right? So you can quickly get to that some, get some quickly qualify the company. Uh, and sometimes we tell you, I don't know, and it's on you to go do the research. So generative AI in general uh, really helped if you're able to plug in the data and train it properly, you can really help you do that job very efficiently. Interesting, interesting. So, um, question for you. What I, I always have this question for you know founders and CEOs of early companies. What what percentage of your day is spent building products versus you know prospecting yourself and getting the 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 platform out there to market? Um, is it kind of a 50-50 split, or right now is it skewed more towards go to market and less towards development? How do you uh, how do you structure your days? Oh man, you're you're. Uh... You're making <laughs> it's hard to process this question right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just because it's been a huge uh, chaotic pain point, but quite honestly, it's also part of what makes this a lot of fun. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the really the best way to answer that depends. So when we were heads down product, uh, product is all the way I've done, and as I mentioned to you offline, I still code till today, and I love doing that, and I'm all very involved with the product team on daily basis, doing code reviews, doing architecture overview or architecture, marketing architecture, mm -hmm. uh, which really gives you an excellent insight, especially if you're very involved in sales and fundraising, because it gives you like this high bandwidth of linking things together uh, as a one person, right? So it's like you're, you're able, your mind work offline and it's processing all these the whole company, every angle of the mm -hmm. company on one angle. But that said, it's completely, uh, one person can can do as much during the day. Uh, many times you're bottlenecked, right? So there's obviously the whole flip side of how fast can you go. Um, on a weekly, but daily, sometimes it varies, but maybe if you answer it on weekly, um, it really depends. I'm always... Uh, uh, very uh, conscious of where, what percentage of my time is going where. Mm -hmm. uh, these days, I'm leaning a lot on the team. I'm very blessed with a great team where I'm able to lean a lot on them, on the product and the technical side, because you know the wheels are turning right now. Um, the we we have a you know good culture. We have a good flow on how to take the customer feedback, get the backlog on what we want to build after. And really all the way until we ship it, test it, and iterate all over it. Mm -hmm. But that took a long time. We are uh, we've been remote before remote was cool, and we are in four continents uh, right now, so different time zones. So figuring that out, it's also super challenging. But I feel we really it's one of our strengths right now, and able to tap into incredible talents all over the world. And uh, all our fundraising that we've done, I, I, I keep saying is like we almost doubled our fundraising by figuring out how to hire well. Because uh, mm -hmm. as you know, right now, it's extremely hard to compete with all the large companies on hiring anybody around. Now things are changing with the whole downturn. 
yeah. uh, unfortunately, yeah. right? Unfortunately. Right. Uh, but but at least we have that advantage right now. Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot. There's, you know, this this year and late last year have just been crazy with the the layoffs and and downsizing, and it, it's not fun. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not good news by any means. But if there's any sort of silver lining to it, I think it it's I think we're gonna see a lot of startups born out of this this uh, you know event. This a lot of people are are now free agents or they've they're you know kind of been thrust into unemployment and might be looking at what to do next and with everything going on um on the actual tech innovation front there's so much opportunity right now to build something and so i do think that in a few years from now we're going to say wow that was a really tough thing to go through in the industry but because of it a lot of people that was the push they needed to go and start the idea that they had and create the next massive company and and 100%. maybe massive yeah and i think massive looks different too in the future you touched on this earlier which is teams are going to get smaller um and this is something that i'm seeing already i see teams getting smaller people doing more with less and the fact that we do now have so much so much tooling so much technology to enhance the the workflow of somebody we may not ever go back to sort of this rapid growth hiring um, a few years ago, and I talk about this a lot on the air here, but a few years ago, I hired 35 reps in a, I think four or five month period. Right. And I don't know that we're ever going to see that kind of growth again in, in a company, maybe, you know, for some of the larger companies in the space, but I think it's going to be a lot more rare for someone to go out and say, let's hire 35 inside sales reps in four or five months. Right. Most companies are going to take a, a more sort of calculated growth methodology and they're going to focus more on slow growth and, and sustainable growth and using, you know, using tools available to, mm -hmm. to make each hire more productive. So it is, a, it's been a crazy time, but uh, I tend to agree that I think this is a, a great opportunity for anyone out there with a great idea to, to go try it out. You've got nothing to lose because uh, you know, and, and when they say that some of the best companies were, were created during recessions, I'm, I don't know if we're in a recession right now or not. I'm not an economist, but um, I think from this this uh, you know sort of tech fallout, you're going to see a lot of really innovative products and companies in the future. I I 100% agree with you. I want to add a couple of things. Like you know, layoffs, downturn. People got used to remote working, and now enterprise want to bring you back to remote. Mm -hmm. Generative AI exploding. And in downturn economy, um, only useful products are built. You're not raising on a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. You're raising on on some real problems and people that vouch with their time and money that they're really interested in this problem. So I think really this is, I think, in the next uh, few months, we're going to see a lot, a lot more companies are being built. Also, with the tech companies, uh, you know, most people, like if you think, where is the 1% of wealth worldwide concentrated? Mm -hmm. They are coming from, you know, mid-level people at Google and Facebook and that have done, that rode the technology wave over time. So they right. might not need the paycheck necessarily obviously everybody situation varies from one to another 
Uh, and today, with even cloud and everything around, it's really easy to start a company. And yeah. it's even much easier if you can control your burn rates. If you move from SF to some more remote area because it's better lifestyle, probably something you, you also wanted, um, it can, you can save a lot and your money can go a lot further. So a lot of things are really kind of the stars are lining up to really produce a lot more startups uh, right now that disrupt the status quo from how we do business, like kind of the sales we mentioned, but really we can have the conversation in almost every vertical uh, of the of the company stack could be really disrupted from that perspective. Yeah. If you were uh, a seller or a founder, if you are a founder, um, <laughs> someone out there listening is probably feeling a little bit maybe they're not quite feeling like they have the AI chops yet. What resources are out there for someone who wants to get more educated on this intersection between generative AI and go to market? Quite honestly, like I'll tell you, the, the AI chops that you need to have, uh, the barrier to entry is a lot, uh, got dropped down tremendously right now. So, um, how many people are using ChatGPT these days, right? Or using some kind of generative AI to complete a task? Mm -hmm. uh, believe it or not, a lot of the features that are being built are built on similar technology. It's all about feeding the right data, uh, being a prompt engineer, uh, understanding the limitation of the data. So, so I think there is a lot of room for you to build. Uh, that's one thing I would say. The other thing, even if you are, um, you know, early in your career as a developer, uh, it used to be that you have to code equivalent of like models, machine learning models, and able to understand how to, you know, the whole process, clean the data, able to understand all these different algorithms to, but, but you really don't need to, because right now it's also commodity to go produce any machine learning, uh, learning model that's hosted, let's say on AWS or Azure or any of that. You have mm -hmm. to really read documentation. It's actually sometimes easier than go writing a complex distributed architecture of what you're building. So long story short, if we take all the jargon out, yeah. it's actually a little bit easier to get started with AI. I think the more challenging part and by the way, it's been always true, and right now it's maybe highlighted more, is um, uh, how can you efficiently take the product to market? What is the use case? What's your go-to market? How can you really scale it, repeat it? It's really, especially if you're building a SaaS, now the SaaS metrics of your CAC and LTV and all that kind of stuff is more important than ever because... That's what makes a business. If you're able to crack that code, it's not uh, the code as of the, the, the SaaS metrics, not right. the technology behind it. That's the hardest part of the job right now. Yeah. Well, Wissam, where can my listeners track you down if they want to follow your content or check out Truebase? Yeah, so you can find me on Truebase. I have an about page with all the LinkedIn, uh, sorry, all the social media links, but I'm also mostly active on LinkedIn. Uh, with Sam Tabara, uh, W-I-S-S-A-M-T-A-B-B-A-R-A -S -S -A -A is my handle. Um, I'm also, I, I love it when I hear from people that they 
heard about me from somewhere or liked something I said, or actually even disagree with something I said, uh, I usually try to answer all the messages that I get. And it's really a big part of that. Keep me up to date and engage with all the problems we're solving here. So I'm always welcoming anybody reaching out. Fantastic. Well, we we enjoyed having you on and thanks for sharing some, some insight into the world of sales, AI, go-to-market, launching a startup. Congrats on the launch and uh, look you. forward to touching base soon. Thank you, Jesse. It's been a lot of fun.